the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Southern California Live Hour 2 of our afternoon show on every day from 3 to 5. It's good to be with you right here on KKLA and KPRZ 99.5 in Los Angeles. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. If I didn't say that before, I'm your host. It's always good to be with you. And I hope you had a good Father's Day weekend and uh, that you are paying attention. We got some big news coming up in the world today, um, in the world this week, probably. Abortion ruling coming out soon. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how our country responds to that. We uh, will get into that whenever that uh, ruling comes out, uh, whether or not it's the same as the leak that happened before. I don't really know. Uh, we'll find out. And uh, gosh, a lot of different things related to uh, to that. And I think at the core of it, at the core of all the different things that we're going to talk about, I think this might be the most, I don't know, spiritually challenging period of time in our nation's history. I mean, maybe not, uh, maybe right before the Civil War, we were pretty bad off that way. Uh, maybe, uh, but right now, I, by spiritually challenging, what I mean is, I think we are well, before the Civil War, if you were making an excuse for slavery, you were still a, you know, a, uh, appealing to God and you're, or appealing to some theology or you're saying, well, there's slavery in the Bible and so God's okay with it. You made up some kind of dumb argument like that. Um, but today what we're doing is we are rejecting God altogether and we are rejecting God in favor of other, for lack of a better word, humanistic solutions uh, that aren't working, by the way. Poll came out this week from this weekend from Gallup that says that belief in God has an all-time low among Americans. I have this question for you: How are you doing in your belief in God? Do you do you believe in God, or have you changed? Or where you know what is an area where your belief in God where you really struggle? You want to talk about it? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven or on the other side of it, how are you refreshed because of your belief in God? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. It's a it's a critical thing because as A.W. Tozer once said, the most important thought you think is the thought you think about God. And he's right about that, because whatever it is that you think about God, whatever religion you are, whatever you know, if you don't have religion Whatever your thought is about God, it's affecting your life because it affects your decisions. It affects the way you relate to other people. It affects the way you view other people. It affects your behavior at some point. It affects the way you deal with stress. It affects the way you deal with adversity. It affects the way you even deal with with good times when things go great for you. Do you praise God for it? Do you thank God or do you think it's all you? It affects your your gratitude. And taking God out, the more we're taking God out of the question, you are noticing, I think, more and more confusion in the couple, in the in the country. More and more confusion. And you know, it is a um, interesting thing. So the polling firm uh Gallup revealed that a record low number of Americans report a belief in God. 
The polling firm found that only 81% of Americans say that they believe in God. Now, 81%, that sounds like a lot. Uh, But historically, it's not. It's the lowest amount ever since they've been asking that question all the way back to 1944. And that's six points down from uh, from 2013 to 2017, from just 2017. 87% of Americans said they believed in God up until 2017. So 6% have dropped off just in the past uh, five years. What happened? What do you think is the reason for people no longer believing in God? Why are we rejecting the entire idea of God? So it isn't just I'm changing my religion or I'm changing what I think about God. It's saying I no longer believe in God. I used to believe in God, or at least I used to say that I believed in God. But now I'm no longer going to say it or I no longer believe. 888-528-2557. What do you think about that? You can join the conversation. Give us your your two cents. 888-528-2557. They used to say it's a penny for your thoughts, but then they said you have to put your two cents in, which is a great example of inflation and how inflation works. So the inflation is you can give us your two cents. 888-528-2557. 81% of American adults say they believe in God, and it is down. In 2011, the percentage uh, in the 1950s and 60s, the percentage was 98%, according to Gallup, said they believed in God. Almost everybody believed in God, or at least they said that they did. So I think there's a, there's a lot of discussion about whether people feel more comfortable now because of whatever reason in saying they don't believe in God, or maybe it used to be you didn't feel comfortable saying you don't believe in God. And, you know, in 1950s and 60s, you were, if you don't believe in God, you're probably a communist, and they're probably right. And um, now that's not exactly on the table, even though some people are embracing communism. Maybe that's some of the reason that we have a lot of younger people embracing stuff like that is that they no longer believe in God. The scary thing, a really scary notion about that is when there's no God, then the state is the all-power, all-powerful authority. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Chris from Westminster, welcome to Southern California Live. Chris, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Are you with me, Chris? Good. How you doing, Chris? Oh, good. Am I on the air? You are on the air. Go ahead and turn your radio down a little bit. And uh, oh. what's on your mind? Hey, I apologize. Um, I'm, I'm connected to the radio through my phone. So uh, my two comments are, and I'll just make it quick, is... Um, I, I believe, personally, sometimes I take the responsibility on myself as Christians, as believers, as the church, if you will. I sometimes think maybe uh, we don't do a good enough job of defending our faith. Um, thankfully, I've, I've been in apologetics classes before and took a nap for a whole semester, um, and uh, that taught me a lot of how to properly defend the faith and give good, solid reasons. So. For me, I would say I blame the church rather than anything else, and not harshly, but just believers need to do maybe a better job of providing solid uh, arguments and defenses for why we believe what we believe, and uh, that is my two cents. So thank you. All right. So uh, Chris is saying that uh, the church may be to blame for the country not believing in God. I think, um, you know, that, that might be a good place to even kind of go with this conversation. How's the church doing? And not just in belief in God, but I think the bigger issue is discipleship, right? That has the church moved is, is the reason for these statistics. 90, in the 1950s and 60s, according to Gallup, 
98% of people believe in God. In 2011, that percentage declined to 92%. So that's just 11 years ago. 11 years ago, 92% of America still said they believed in God. That's not very long ago. Most of you are old enough to remember 2011. Do you remember 2011? Your house cost like a third of what it does now uh, in 2011. Interest rates were about a third of where they are today. Have you seen that? That's crazy. 2013, 14, and 17, it dipped to 87%, and now it's 81%. Is the reason for that, do we blame the church for that? How, do we, how would you define that? 888-528-2557 is the number. Uh, Var from Arcadia, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Var, how you doing? Go ahead, Var. You know what, Var, I can't hear you. Sorry about that. Uh, if you want to call back, um, try to get a better connection. We couldn't quite hear you. 888-528-2557. How are we doing in the area of discipleship? Is that the reason? And by that, I mean just intentional discipleship. So Chris, when he called, he said, part of it's reason. Do we, do we have the ability to even reason for our faith? I would ask this question. Do we as a people actually have the, is reason even something people are listening to anymore? I mean, just to be, you know, straight about that is maybe some of the reason that some people are no longer believing God is that we are approaching it now from a standpoint of reason, if A plus B equals C, you know, and we do that a lot with our apologetics, and it's important for a lot of people. And in our faith, we need to be able to ask questions, and we shouldn't be afraid of anybody questioning our faith. If our faith is true, it's going to survive the questioning of people. But maybe that doesn't connect as well with people. Maybe it's both that we're not as prepared, but maybe maybe we... We need to look at something else. 888-528-2557. Okay, Var, you're back from Arcadia. You with us? V- Var? Yes, it's uh, Z-A-R. Yeah, V-A-R. Go Hello? ahead, Var. You got to turn your radio down yes. and go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity, Scott, to speak up, to put my two cents in. So uh, my take is uh, great revival is not going to take it. We need a global revival. That God mm. is calling all his nations to rise up and rise together and uh, in unity. And uh, this is the perfect time. The whole, it's a global revival, not a great <clears throat> revival. Yeah, what? That every, Let every, me ask yes. you this question, Hello? Var. How does, yes. how does unity work? Go ahead and turn your radio down. You can hear me better. Uh, Var, so if we're going to unite in if we're going to unite in unity, what do we get unified about? Unify our churches, our sanctuaries, our pastors, our preachers, our prophets, our evangelists. Every church must be unified and attached to the body of Christ. And that's do you think disunity is one of the reasons that? Do you think disunity within the church is one of the problems that we have as why more and more people don't believe in God? Yes, it starts from it starts from main core. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of division mm-hmm. between pastors. There's a lot of division between prophets. There's a lot of division and that trickles down into the congregation. So All right, so unity, all, that's what we need to do. Thank 
Thank you, Var, for your call. Appreciate that. You know, Jesus, when he prayed for us in John 17, he prays that we would be unified, not that we would agree on every single thing or that we would approach every single thing the same way, but that we would be unified in purpose. Have we lost that? The culture, I think, has lost a lot of its purpose. Uh, Maybe we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. The number is 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, Erica from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Erica. Erica, go ahead. Yeah, I'm um, doing fine. Hi, hi. Yeah, I was um, listening to your topic, and I believe the reason people believe like they used to is, for one, people, like, um, I grew up in a kind of strict-type holiness church, and um, a lot of people, I'm not going to say strict, but a lot of people say uh-huh. they're Christians, and they just don't have the life that's supported. That's one of the reasons I believe. Um, and it makes it unattractive, mm. makes Christianity unattractive when you, you're saying one thing and living another, when you're not living yeah. what the Bible says. Secondly, the divisiveness that's in the churches today, um, I don't say religion is bad, but religion without relationships with God can it can be very bad. <laughs> so yeah. you know we're too divided in in our churches. We need to come together. And then this pandemic have kind of strengthened that because um, the more we don't fellowship, the further we get away from God. You know, I have once been in a backslidden state, and the more I didn't go to church, the more I didn't want to go to church, and the more I didn't want to fellowship. So. You know, we were already going in that direction, so that kind of strengthened it, and we not witness like we should. Hmm. We have the best God in the whole—he is God, and yeah. we don't tell of his goodness, and we don't have to be, you know— but all we got to do is tell our own personal testimony, testimony and witness to the truth that God is truly a good God. And people, you know, would, would, would admire that, you know? And yeah, I think, I think just some of the things. Yeah. All right, Erica, I appreciate your call. I think that uh, you're onto something there. the The idea that religion without God is bad, I think that's a big thing, right? So this poll that came out from Gallup, eighty one percent of Americans say they believe in God. How many of those eighty one percent don't actually believe in God, but say that they do? Right? There's there's atheism where you say I don't believe in God. But there's something else that's called practical atheism. And practical atheism is the idea that you say you believe in God, but your life doesn't reflect at all that you do. And so you're actually an atheist. You say you believe in God. You go to church. You do the routines. You're a part of different things like that, right? Some people do that, but you don't actually know God. It doesn't get into the marrow of your, your bones and your life. Your, your relationship with God doesn't really exist. You know, when push comes to shove— you don't believe. I think that that's some of the reason that um, some people, what it's still 20, 30% studies are saying people have not gone back to church. I mean, if you're not in church and you don't have like a really good reason, pandemic is virtually over. You know, whatever people, I know they keep trying to scare you on the news with different things, but go out there and go to the shopping malls and go out there to the ball game and to the fair and do other stuff. 
it's done. It's almost back to normal out there, except in the church. Still lots of people not going back. Maybe they got used to not going. And maybe, you know, what does that mean? 888-528-2557. What I'd be concerned about is the idea of practical atheism, that you're not, you, you're part of the 81%. You say you believe in God, but deep down you don't. 888-528-2557. Jackie from Compton, welcome to Southern California Live. I don't think I'm on, sir. Yep, you're you're on, Jackie. Go ahead. Hello? Hi, Jackie. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Um, yes. Um, what I wanted to say is um, when it comes down to the belief of the Lord, uh, it went off on me. Oh, am I still here? On? Yep, yep, you're on. Go ahead and turn your radio down. Okay. What I went, okay, I'm sorry. What I wanted to say is when it comes down to the belief of the Lord, I completely, completely feel that. God is real, and I wasn't going to church for a long time, recently went back, and I noticed that when you put your faith in the Lord and you're into the Word, and I believe it's baby steps. I think the church, we all, like me, I just recently got back, I think it's baby steps that we all need to take. Baby Mm. steps means, like, just reaching out to somebody in your family or even a little stranger, and invite them to church, because I'm inviting my family to church that hasn't been into church. I think if we all do little baby steps and we give it to the Lord, we give it to God, I think there will be a revival. I go to Calvary Chapel right here in Torrance, and I love, in South Bay, and I love how they, the preacher says, he's Pastor Chet, he brings people up and says, hey, if you don't know Lord, if you do, just that's what I believe in. That's what I think that we all need, little baby steps. That's what he's telling me as just being a normal person. He's a pastor, and I'm a normal person. He tells me, just baby steps. Just yeah. reach out. Give a smile. Right. Say God loves you. And that's yeah. what I believe in. And Thank I just you. want to say, yes, we all need the Lord. And that's what we need to do to get this world out of this chaos. Thank you, Jackie, for your call. I appreciate that. Uh, we all do need the Lord. And, uh, you know, if you are genuinely struggling, I think Jackie makes a good point, make little baby steps towards the Lord, and not to the, the, you know, the cycle of religion, but towards Jesus himself, your Savior himself. Get in the Bible and pray. Another thing that came out of this poll from Gallup that is, I think, very telling, it says about half of those who believe in God, so now we're talking about the 81% who believe in God, only half say that God hears prayers. Now, this doesn't, it's not just Christians, okay? This is just people who believe in God. So only half of the 81% believe that God hears prayers. So this is basically all believers in God, any faith, and can inter- intervene on a person's behalf. So only 40% of people in the country think that God even hears your prayers and can actually do something about it. 28% say that God hears prayers but cannot intervene, and 11 think God does neither. Um, so 11% of people think God doesn't hear your prayers, so that's a waste of time, and uh, he's not going to do anything even if he does. 28% say that. Uh, that, I think, also is indicative, right? Are we a people who no longer prays? And if you don't pray, how do you have a relationship with God? Can I challenge you there? You wouldn't have a relationship with your friends if you don't chat with them sometimes. If you don't say hi, they'd pretty soon become not your friends. You know, or they become the friends you used to have, or they become, you know, somebody who you see once in a while. It's always good to see them, and you hug, and you have lunch, or whatever, and then that's it. How can you have a relationship with God where you are going to be on top of things with the kingdom of God if you don't pray, if you're not talking to him? 888-528-2557. Deborah from Compton, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. 
thank you for taking my call, and I was chiming in, or listening, rather, to um, some of the uh, comments that were made prior to. Yeah. And church is so commercialized now. Mm. And so I think that um, if we could slow down on how we how we sell to people. And when I heard uh, the gentleman prior to you said that the topic was about unity and revival, well, I remember tent revivals where it was gravel on the ground and the kids right. used to play with the rocks and all that. And, you know, we would sit and we would, we would worship, we would pray. I watched adults, you know, just enjoy worship, praise the Word, uh, stretching out, falling out, whatever they were dealing with and going through, they were enjoying the Spirit of the Lord. Today, it seems so commercialized that if you're not selling something or, you know, what kind of praise and worship do I have to have to worship the Lord into my heart? Uh, The young lady talked about Calvary Chapel. I'm literally going to Calvary Chapel, Crenshaw, and just very, very simplistic, practical to the word. Um, You know, it's, it's very plain it's clear it's it's not asking nothing of me other than i come and enjoy the worship of the lord worship him in spirit and in truth and when we're so far away from that by you know televangelists and just different promotions and you know you gotta uh, give a certain amount of tithes and offerings you get to sit here that's not what church is about you think that might be I got to go to a break, but Deborah, real quick, do you think that that might be the reason that fewer and fewer people are believing in God ultimately? Absolutely, you can't. You 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 got to accept some people where they are, not yeah. their behavior, but the person themselves. Yeah. All right, Deborah, thank you for your call. I think Deborah has a point. I will talk about that when we get back a little bit. Uh, and uh, you know, do we need? Uh, how much of the show do we really need? How much? Maybe we're paying too much attention for that in our churches. There's a reason. There's a reason that people are not believing in God more and more often, down to 81%. And out of that crowd, um, and not all of those are Christian, of course, and out of that crowd, uh, less than half actually believe that prayer even is something that's useful. Uh, that's a very small part of our country. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back in just a minute for your calls. Don't go away. It is a lovely day here. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, great to be with you. Lovely day everywhere in Southern California. At least as far as the weather is concerned, I, I think getting close to summertime. Does summer begin today or tomorrow? What's the, what's the day? I think it's tomorrow. Anyway, summer 2022 is upon us. We are talking about belief in God in America. A poll came out that said only 81% of people believe in God. Worse than that, I think, is uh, only about half of those people believe that God hears prayers and can intervene. And uh, those aren't even Christians, all of them. You know, So that means there's a small percentage even of Christians who believe in God uh, that way, I suppose. And uh, before the break, we were talking about, one of our callers was talking about different things we do in church, you know, for the show. What I mean by that, maybe this is pastor speak, okay? You know, Sunday morning, you have the microphones and you got the stage and there's a production and there's there's a sound guy and there's uh, lots of things. Some of you have a smoke machine guy and you got a laser machine guy. 
somebody uh, sent me a message during the break and said, you know, sometimes my community, my community group is more authentic than church. And I wrote back, don't you have a, uh, a smoke machine and a laser show in your community group? I think I want to do that. I want to have one in my house and we'll just have a smoke machine and we'll just, <laughs> you know, and uh, can I just tell you something? I do think that there is something to this, that we have rendered discipleship to an hour on Sunday morning, and that if we can make the show good enough, maybe people will believe in our Jesus. There's an old book. It's I keep wanting to say Bill and Ted go to church. It's not Bill and Ted go to church. It's Jim and Casper. That's a, Jim and Casper go to church. Bill and Ted go to church. That should be the third installment of that movie. They can go to heaven and, you know, like a real heaven. I don't know. Uh, dude, excellent. Um, Jim and Casper go to church as a guy, a pastor. I think it's the Jim. I can't remember now if it's Jim or Casper. It's an old book, like 20 years old. But he, what he does is he hired, as a pastor who hired atheists to go to his church. And he paid him like $25 to go to church. And then after church, he would ask them, hey, what'd you think? You know, not saying, uh, did I convert you? But hey, what was your experience as an atheist? And it's very enlightening because the atheist would go to church and have all kinds of different questions. Like, why did you do that? Why is this important? So in the book, what he does is he takes one of the guys that he hired, and they go around the country to all kinds of churches, some of the big ones that you've heard of, and then other small ones, try to get the whole idea of different kinds. And one of those churches did have the uh, the laser show. And the atheist, atheist in the book says, does your Jesus really need this? And it's just, it's a powerful statement in there. Like the, the guy who all of that is meant to reach, I suppose, and maybe the, you know, maybe it's not, is the one guy who's turned off by it altogether. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Shelly in Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. How you doing, Shelly? Yeah, I can. Welcome to our yes. show. Okay, great. Thank you for taking my call. So I want to just make a few comments. The belief in God, I think one of the things that happens sometimes is is there someone that doesn't have a personal encounter with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Right. And yeah. you're going to church, say a mom or a dad takes a son or a daughter, and they haven't had maybe a, a situation where they've had an encounter with God, and maybe mom and dad did. Maybe dad, dad and mom have to come to Jesus' moment. And so you're trying to grade your kids to have this belief. It's almost like it can't be um, <laughs> transferred. I say that because as a little girl, I believed in God just because maybe I heard my parents say it, and it was almost like I believed in Santa Claus. And then came real life at 27 when I'm like, wait, why is life this? And I started to question the things in life. Now I'm 50, and it wasn't until I had a personal testimony and I came, you know, to know the Lord and I understand salvation and repentance, then I value the salvation. But I think not everybody who's going to church is at the same spiritual level. Some could be babies. Some may be sipping on those sippy cups. Some people may be just stuck at formula. Some people may be drinking milk. And some people are having to let me know. And I think if you are somebody who's just to let me know at this point, and if that would be like the highest of which I like to get fed with the Word of God, and you're going to a place that's more seeker friendly and whatnot, you might get malnourished and then say, you know what, I don't even have an incentive to go here, and I'm not going to yeah. travel with, you know, far... Away. So Shelley, I got a lot of echoing. I got a lot of echoing going on in your call. I think I understand uh, uh, where you're headed. It's hard to hear you. Sorry about that, Shelley. But I appreciate your call. And you know, people are different levels, right, in their faith, and that's something that we should expect. 
But are, are people growing in their faith? Are they, she was talking about, you know, people who uh, aren't being nourished. I, I think the thing is, is that you can be a baby Christian, but you're still Christian. You still believe in God. There's a point here where you, you leave the home or you leave the faith, and maybe you never really were a Christian, right? I, I think that's kind of what we're dealing with here with people who are saying, I don't believe in God, and, and maybe they used to go to church. Remember, this poll isn't just people who go to Christian churches. It's a sense in general that Americans have that there is no God now. Um, I heard some people saying, well, 81%, that's a lot. No, that's one in five no longer believe that there is a God in our country, which makes it pretty difficult when we're a country that's founded on the idea that we're under God and our rights come from our creator, and one out of five people don't think that uh, that's true effectively anymore. And one out of five people think that morality, however it's defined, must be then defined by some human being or group of human beings. And uh, that's a, a scary thing there. George from Redlands, welcome to Southern California Live. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate that. I just want to make a comment. I am just really uh, worry when people or uh, uh, churches say that they don't believe in doctrine. And mm-hmm. I believe doctrine is very, very important. It edifies. It does not divide. And uh, also, they have replaced who God in the Holy Spirit is to a Holy Spirit that is an emotion. And mm-hmm. that really turns off a lot of people. And the emotion actually makes you feel good and stuff, but it's only temporary. And the Holy Spirit is forever. Yeah. I think uh, you're right about doctrine there. George, thank you for your call. I appreciate that. You know, I thank think... You. I appreciate that. I wonder about this in churches. I think sometimes we think, and I think maybe this goes to why we have so much emphasis on the show and the other stuff, is I wonder if we think that our non-Christian friends are incapable of thinking about doctrine and other stuff. Does that make any sense? Like, do we uh, appreciate your call, George, very much? Does that, I think that George has a point there about the doctrine, and we don't really teach it, which means for the Christian we don't know why we believe what we believe, so that it makes it hard to answer the question. Let me ask you this question. Why did Jesus have to die for your sins? Why couldn't God just forgive you? Why doesn't God just say, you know what, I love all y'all, why don't you just come up here to the big house and be done? Um, do you know the answer to that? See, that's where doctrine plays in. Why was it necessary for somebody to die and shed blood for the forgiveness of sins? for the salvation of humanity? Um, you know, I think that's a really good question that non-believers often have. Why, why this? It's kind of a violent thing, right? Why, why is that necessary? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, Enrique, Enrique from Compton, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, hello. Hello, Enrique. Can you hear me? Welcome. Yeah, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me, Hello? Enrique? Okay, okay. Um, you know, I believe uh, some people that we used to go to church, and they see the the pastors. They make a lot of difference for uh, their people. They treat people differently. They don't uh, treat people the same way. Like they show a lot of favoritism for uh, other people. Other people, you know, they, they don't. Uh, Treated the same way, mm. and they they told me that I left the church because the pastor, you know, discriminated them. They have like a club, uh-huh. like a group that they, they uh, treat them differently. 
He's so a some, he's a pastor. He's supposed to treat everybody the same. So some people, uh, and I know that happens. They feel like um, they go to a church and they feel like they can't break in because everybody kind of has their own thing going on, including the pastor sometimes, and it's hard to um, even connect and ask questions. And sometimes it is, it becomes a club, he's I think, a, for, for Christians, even the pastor sometimes. He has, uh, I, I saw that in uh, different churches. And uh, sometimes the pastors, they think they're so same. For example, one of the pastors uh, I, I used to go before, he, he used to say that he don't give uh, the supper because there's nobody, uh, nobody can take it, only he, him and his wife. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's not, it's not because of the things you do. It's because Christ died for us. We, we, we don't deserve, you know, to participate in the, in the supper. Yeah. But we do it just because Christ, you know, died for our sins. Yeah, okay. And, uh, I appreciate it. He, he, he was saying that, too. So I, I know a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine, they left. He was like, hey, why do you think he is? Why do you think he's the same? Why are you saying that he's the only one who can take him? He and his wife. That's why, you know, there's a lot of uh, reasons. Yeah. And uh, um, one more thing. I, I've seen a lot of people where I work and everywhere I go, they don't believe in Christians and God because they say they're hypocrites. Because then you say they're Christians and they don't show it. Yeah. They don't even worse things than the people that are not believers. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I got to go to a break, Enrique. And you know what? A lot of people have, like he's explaining here, a a you know a bad experience sometimes at church, and it's unfortunate because the you know the faith is not based upon how ultimately Christians treat you. The faith is based upon whether or not Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the grave. But how we treat each other as Christians and how we interact with believers or non-believers who come to our church or the ones we work with. It has an impact. We're ambassadors of Christ is what we are supposed to do. One of those uh, ministries out there that deals with greeting ministries and how you welcome people at church and things, one of the things that they like to say, and I thought is pretty smart, is they say, hey, you know what? A non-believer might come to church today, and they may not meet Jesus, but they are going to meet us, and how did we treat them? And that's something that we should think about, I think, everywhere we go, is the non-Christian who's in our life or that shows up at church or that we work with, they may not meet Jesus today, but they are going to meet us. Are we a worthy representation of who Jesus is in our lifestyle and the way we welcome them and the way we love them or not? And if we are not, then what we're communicating is that we don't really care. Uh, that happens in churches a lot when they don't really connect with people or they discriminate or things happen is that, uh, and sometimes it's the, you know, sometimes people who come, and I know this as a pastor, sometimes people who come have expectations that can't be met, Right. Uh, they expect uh, I'm going to become best friends with the pastor or the pastor's wife. It's not possible all the time. Um, but those those kinds of things aside, sometimes what we do is we we like the church the way it is. Tom Rayner today, uh, he does a lot of Christian uh, research, and he had a tweet where he pointed out that in churches that they're surveying that are down in attendance even 50% after COVID, that many of the people in those churches don't notice that the church is down by that number. And what they tend to say is this. They tend to say, but all of my friends are still here, meaning that it doesn't matter if the church isn't doing well and not reaching people. All of my friends are still here, so that's okay. That's not kingdom thinking. That's 
Kingdom Little K. That's the you know the first self righteous church of uh, whatever town thinking. And friends, we got to get we got to get past that. We have a mission that we need to fill. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back in just a moment. Stand stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I hope you have a good weekend. I hope you didn't fall on your bike. You see these clips going around everywhere of, the, of President Biden falling on his bike. I have to say I'm sympathetic because he, anybody falling on a bike, you got to be sympathetic. And he's an old guy. You know, my immediate thought is, is he going to break his hip? What, you know, that's what you you know, if you're older, that's what you worry about, right? This guy in my church, his name was George. He went to be with Jesus, but he, one day he came to church and his face was completely bloodied up. He looked like he'd been in a fight. And he comes in on his walker and everything. And I said, George, what happened to you? And he said, he fell down uh, at the Walmart and uh, hit his face. And uh, I don't think he got any lawsuits or anything. That's because he loves Jesus. But, uh, and uh, so the funny thing though, is he looks at me and his face is messed up. I mean, it was awful. And uh, he looks at me and he goes, but you know what? And I said, what? And he goes, I didn't break my hip. And he puts both arms in the air like Rocky Balboa and victory. Uh, I know when you're older, you know, the falls are scary. So seeing the president fall over like that, he did it because uh, he he hooked his foot in one of those pedals that has the, uh, there's probably a better name for it, right? But it's got the little toe clip on it. Keeps your feet in there. And I have to say, for people making fun of the president, I've done that. I did that in an intersection once when I was a teenager in San Luis Obispo. Maybe I was 20s, early 20s. And I almost got hit by a car. And I just went right over. And your foot gets caught in that thing. There's nothing you can do. You just go right over. And uh, back then, we didn't wear helmets. The president was wearing a helmet. And, um, you know, back then, we didn't wear helmets because you would get beat up if you wore a helmet back in my day. And I remember my head hitting the pavement. I went, whack, there's just nothing you can do. So glad he's okay. He joked about it today. Do you have that clip? Uh, uh, go ahead, play that clip. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. What happened was, any of you guys ride bikes? Well, they have some that have this thing you put your toe in. It constrains your foot so it doesn't slide off the pedal. When I was getting off the bike, it got stuck. On the right side. I fell in case you didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, he, uh, he leaned forward at the end there. He probably couldn't hear it very well, but he says, I fell down on the bike in case you didn't notice. I was happy he was making fun of himself for that, though, because that went all over the place, and it's embarrassing, but you got to make fun of yourself, right? That's what you really need to do, uh, and uh, he was doing that. Um, we were talking about the church and the poll that recently came out that said people don't go to the church. Uh, or people aren't believing in God. And, you know, for, for us as believers, I think we, we've heard from a lot of you on the subject. And, you know, I think a theme that comes through here is that we're spending a lot of time worrying about maybe some things that aren't working. And I'll tell you what, as a pastor for 25 years, that's what I would say, is that we're not investing enough time on actual discipleship where we are really seeking to, number one, live a life more Christ-like, but also to help others live a life more Christ-like. 
to be intentional this way, and that our purpose here is is not just to bring people to sit in our pews or in our chairs and to participate in church the way we like it. Um, it's we should be leveraging whatever church we have, whatever. I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily wrong that there are different service styles and different worship styles and maybe different reasons that might people might bring in. But whatever you're doing, are you leveraging that for the salvation of souls, for making disciples? Or are you leveraging that just so that people keep coming to your church and they don't go to some other church and so that you keep them so you can make budget? Can I just put that out there that that's a thing, right? And I like to tell people that there's only one church in Southern California. We have all these different congregations and different backgrounds, but there's one church. We meet at different addresses and different places, but Jesus has one church, the body of Christ. And it's certainly biblical that there's different places that people meet. There's different cities, different places, right? But together we need to do more. And I believe we do that in the name of discipleship. And the reason I think we don't is because we always want to put our church label on it because sometimes we go out and we do something and then we hope you come to our church. And we hope that you come to our church. We hope that you're a fun person and we hope that you uh, sit in our chairs and give money to our offering and click on our website and click on our Facebook page and click on our Instagram and make those numbers go up and up and up. I'm just telling you, that's a big part of church and that is a big part. I'm not even saying those th- those are tools that can be used effectively. Social media, it's a huge problem, okay? I don't know that our country is going to survive social media, but... Social media is, where pe- media is where people are. If you have an effective Facebook or Instagram or TikTok outreach at your church, it's effective because it's getting on people's phones, which is where their eyes are anyway. There's some really good ministries on there. But is the purpose of that to bring people to Christ or is the purpose uh, to that uh, just to bring people to your church? It's a big difference, big difference between those two things. And I think that's what these polls are are showing there was an a, uh, article that somebody had never heard of wrote. His name is Adam Winfield. It's called On the Infantation of Small-Souled Bugmen. <clears throat> and it's a takeoff, uh, if you know, there's a work by, it's called Kafka's Metamorphosis. The bugman is, is this sort of useless person. And what he's saying in this writing is that that's kind of who we've become as people. He wrote, a consequence of a per- perilously overpopulated, brutally capitalistic, shamelessly hedonistic, moral decaying society the humble bug man has come to define an age of technological dystopia in which everyone has everything, their gadgets, their fast foods, their fashion accessories, but somehow everyone also has nothing, no community, no natural spirit, no substance of mind. He is a zombified consumer, an emasculated wage slave, a vessel of emptied, emptied of meaning and refilled with plastic pixels and silicone. <laughs> now, this article is pretty much four pages of that. And this guy's a good writer. I'm not sure that he brings it to any conclusion here because, you know, at the end of it, there's nothing really that talks about how to get past this. But he makes this great argument that we have made ourselves as, a, as, a, as people to be not very important and to be purposeless. Later on, he writes, failing to find fulfillment in his work, the bug man has become fully immersed in content, digital socializing and entertainment. Facing the monumental task of salvaging his soul, he has instead resorted to seeking escape at every turn. He upgrades his 60-inch 4K TV to a 75-inch 4K TV. He buys more video games and a virtual reality set, finds a pot dealer, and gets a prescription for antidepressants. Boy, and it goes on and on like this. 
the solution here, my friends, is becoming more like Jesus. The solution is becoming like Jesus. Beatrice from San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Thank you. Hi, Beatrice. So interesting that you would bring this up today because I was thinking about this. I was thinking that it's so sad that so many churches are using gimmicks to, you know, get people to come to church. And I think of, you know, the scripture that says, if you lift up my name, I will draw all men unto myself. You know, and why do we have to be ashamed of the gospel? Why do we think that the gospel is not enough? And I, I was also thinking that um, the the couple times that come to mind that Jesus fed the thousands, he didn't feed them to draw them, you know, come for food and I'll preach. He fed them because they were hungry, you know, and a lot of times we use food as a, as a bait to get people to come to church. I don't well, know. I just you think, know, you know. Here's, mm-hmm. a, here's a question for you, Beatrice. Are, are churches doing these things, including big food? You know, I don't, I think you're right. You, we see this in the scripture. Those people might have gone home because they were hungry and not listened, right, to Jesus. Are we doing a lot of things in church in order to bring people to salvation and bring people so that they can hear the gospel? Or are we doing those same things to keep the Christians coming who are already there? Who's it for? I guess that would be the question I would ask. Well, you have a good point. I think yeah. it's both, but I think I think a lot of it, most of it, from my experience, is yeah, to bring people. I mean, but I just don't. I just don't think that's right. You know, I don't think you have to do that. I think you know, uh, all these little yeah. extra gimmicks. You know, <laughs> I don't know. That's all right, Beatrice. I got I to gotta let you go because we're going to be done here in just a minute. I'll leave you at this point. Maybe that's just the question that I'll leave you with is when we're doing stuff as believers, whatever it is, are we doing it so that people get to know Jesus? And is, if so, is it working? Meaning that because we're doing whatever we're doing, people are hearing the gospel or Christians are being more empowered to share the gospel to the people in their relationship, in their relational world. You know, if so, then maybe it is a good thing. Maybe it's something that works in our context. But if we're only doing it so that other Christians would leave their church and come to our church because our church is cooler than your church, that's a net gain of zero for the kingdom of God because there's only one church. And if you move one church and go to the next one today, we can change churches, you know, on our couch. We just watch it on TV and we like one better than the other. We're suddenly at another church. That's a net gain of zero. We need to be out there letting people know that Jesus loves them and he died for them because eternity is at stake. And that's a really big deal. We're out of time for today. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless you. See you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.